We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa a Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, September 1st. As always on Tuesdays, I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by Eric Couturier. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find me at Jakeski52. You can find Eric at ETCAT30. Eric, it's a big day for both NFL cutdowns and MLB call-ups. How are you holding up so far? Well, I haven't really been paying attention to the uh, MLB aspect of things, but, you know, NFL mm-hmm. has been uh, actually not too bad of a day, not really that busy, because I guess NFL teams have had since Sunday if they played Saturday or, mm-hmm. you know, since Saturday they played Friday to actually make some of these cuts. So, you know, they come in slowly, but surely it's not like MLB where all the all the moves happen in one day. Yeah, got to get down to 75 pretty quick, and then, yeah. of course, 53-man rosters uh, not too far after that. So. Right. Big day of transactions, a lot of news, a lot of notes going down on RotoWire. We're going to get you updated on some breaking news, including some injury status and a few surprise cuts that happened already today. Earlier, again, this is uh, Tuesday afternoon. And then later on in the show, uh, just because this podcast will be dedicated to free agent budget pickups and waiver wire pickups, we're going to go ahead and look at some leagues that if you drafted already, some players maybe to target on waiver wire or fab if your league does do an early period. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but first, we'll get to breaking news. And one last reminder before we do that, uh, this podcast is now available for subscription on both iTunes and Stitcher. So please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. Any and all feedback is always appreciated. But as promised, uh, we're going to go to the top news of the day. And big news, uh, of course, yesterday they led with uh, Jacksonville kicker news. Now we've got Jacksonville tight end news. This just came down from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport a couple uh, couple minutes before we push the record button on here. Julius Thomas, uh, who's dealing with a finger injury, will officially undergo surgery on that finger. Uh, our original outline for the podcast, we were going to talk about him going ahead and getting a second opinion. Uh, but now it looks like the surgery uh, will be official here. Uh, Eric, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Julius Thomas, of course, he's got the name, but he doesn't have Peyton Manning throwing to him. Some people hire on him because they believe in Blake Bortles. Some people maybe not so much. I've seen him anywhere from 4 to 10 in top 10 rankings, and, of course, this is going to hurt his value a little bit. Uh, how does this affect your outlook, and, and are you still looking at him as a tight end too? Um, oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, so in his uh, his ADP in NFFC leagues uh, before this news came down, he, he, his range in picks was actually 34 to 132, mm-hmm. uh, averaging 86. So I think that that will uh, go down probably to about the same range as Antonio Gates, who's missing the first four games of the season, which mm-hmm. puts him right on the edge of uh, uh, tight end one, actually. So I, I don't know. He, he's probably still in that range, and you can find a replacement level I guess tight end in the meantime to actually cover for him. Yeah, I mean, if you're really to punt the first couple of weeks, you could uh, make a hell of a team out of Julius Thomas, Tom Brady, Le'Veon Bell, yeah. Martavis Bryant. Yeah, there's there's quite a team to be had there. You're just going to have to scrape together a few couple, a few early season wins if you're going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I thought it was intriguing that he was getting a second opinion. Uh, I mean, players have played with broken fingers in the past. Most recently, I remember Des Bryant, where it was reported he was out for the season. Then, nope, going to tape him together and uh, push through it. If you own Julius Thomas already, does this actually is is this put you at ease a little bit? Even though he's going to miss the first couple of weeks, more confidence about his effectiveness when he comes back. You think? Yeah, because you know, like if he does, or if he does follow the four to five week timetable or recovery timetable, 
you, you know, you hope you won't have to worry about this injury again because he's actually remedied the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if the surgery hadn't happened, you'd be worried about aggravation mm-hmm. uh, and then pushing the surgery down the road and potentially missing him like mid or late season when you actually really need him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, catching those Blake Bortles bullets. Will, uh, right on. We'll yeah. get you there. That's pretty alliterative. Try to say Blake Bortles bullets like five <laughs> times fast. That might be that might be a little tough on you. We're going to talk about his backup Mercedes Lewis a little bit later in the show when we start to go for early season waiver wire pickups. But for now, we're going to continue on with breaking news and, and head on over to Indianapolis where uh, T.Y. Hilton is uh, expected to undergo league concussion protocol. Got a little bit banged up in the uh, most recent preseason game. Although he said uh, everything is expected to be okay should be playing week one does this change your outlook at all if he's if you're drafting tonight I mean probably not if he's only I mean you don't know how long a concussion is going to last that's mm-hmm. the worry with concussions exactly they're so murky you have no idea um and then there's also the chance of recurrence too once you actually have one so mm-hmm. yeah like even if he does play immediately week one you're you're going to be kind of having that in the back of your mind like oh is he mm-hmm. is that hit gonna like yeah. Uh, spur another concussion or head injury mm-hmm. yeah, later that always, on. Always worries me being one hit away from a, a four game absence or an eight game absence. The way that this is going here, but still, like he's regularly going what top ten uh, in that range. For, I think he's uh, I think he's top fifteen in terms of wide receivers only. Uh, yeah. The wide receiver position is considered to be one of the safer and more stacked positions this year. Uh, actually, right on. so yeah, right on top fifteen. Um, I've got him as number 11th overall with an average pick of 25.96. And, of course, after guys like Calvin Benjamin and Jordy Nelson start to fall down, well, he hasn't passed Jordy Nelson yet, but he's getting there. I do know that uh, with five drafts coming up this week, me personally, I like to save him until the very end. I will be putting T.Y. Hilton on my watch list Mm -hmm. just so I'm the first to know, uh, of course, using Rotowire to set up those watch lists. I just want to be the first to know whenever there's an update on the situation as we do have uh, beat writers working pretty much around the clock to go ahead and dig up this type of information. So, you guys will know about it as soon as we know about it yeah and we're we're just hoping that it doesn't linger we mm-hmm. we want to see him in week one yeah it's just better for football yeah, if he's playing exactly and it's too it sometimes it's uh you know not necessarily great to be overreacting about this just yet because nothing has been confirmed just a reminder there uh Another roster move, though, that has been confirmed that we can uh, work with now, uh, Joy Bell, who's been dealing with uh, knee and Achilles tendon injuries pretty much throughout all of training camp. He was activated from the physically unable to perform list Monday. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he'll play in the preseason finale. Of course, Thursday, all the NFL preseason games wrap up there uh, a week before the opener there. So, not a lock to play, so if you are setting a DraftKings lineup for the preseason, maybe not best to go with Joy Bell yet, but... One player that's been greatly affected by Joyke Bell uh, being absent in camp and just the opportunities for more reps there is Amir Abdullah of the Lions. And I was pretty high on him as a sleeper, but now I'm starting to see him going like the third and fourth round of drafts. Does, do you think Joyke Bell being back in the mix, does this stop that hype train finally? Can we at least pump the brakes on Amir Abdullah? Or are you still all in on him this I, year? I mean, I I actually just had a draft on Sunday and uh, Abdullah, Abdullah actually went after Bell. Bell went in about the third round, and uh, Abdullah went shortly thereafter. I'd say within about 10 picks or so. So mm-hmm. I think they're still getting drafted around the same area, and I, I think we're seeing that reflected too in uh, NFFC. Yeah. So the, uh, they're the 26th uh, and 27th uh, running backs selected in NFC leagues right now. Mm-hmm. NFFC leagues, rather. Uh, Bell and then Abdullah within uh, actually four picks of each other as well. So, um, 
I, I guess with Bell getting healthier here, I, I, I would expect to see him uh, maybe bounce back up a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, they're gonna, he's going to create a little bit more separation. It's very hard to tell. Of course, if he does play in that final preseason game Thursday, I'll be a lot more, or I'll need to see something from him, but I'll be a lot more right. inclined to take him in my drafts that are going on Saturday, Sunday, and Labor Day. I've got uh, There's going to be a period here where I have four drafts in four days coming up. So it seems like uh, people are discounting Bell like even more now than they did like the last two years when Reggie Bush was around, who was actually more established back than Amir mm-hmm. Abdullah. So... I don't know. I I kind of like I kind of like the fact that he's being discounted because he did turn out to be I think a, a top 15 running back in terms of fantasy mm-hmm. points the last 2 years. Yep. So and, and some of those years Reggie Bush was an RB1 in PPR formats, you could mm-hmm. easily make that kind of case finishing top 10 at the end of the league and scoring in those type of leagues. Right. So yeah, I mean with all the touches that are probably going to be available, uh I still like Bell a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what we're looking at, just for reference here, we mentioned 69 through 73, the four picks apart. Uh, so we're looking at kind of a late sixth-round pick is mm-hmm. what we're looking at in yep. your standard 12-team formats. Of course, you might need to go in the fifth round if you're looking in, in 14- and 16-team formats. So just to give you a little bit of uh, of a gauge as to where you might find him, uh, on a side note here, just because we're looking at the ADP numbers and we have them up right now, number 28, Joseph Randall. I take him well before both of those guys. There's no question about that. That's, oh, yeah. just, that's just me personally. I'm pretty high on him this year winning that job and maybe not running away with it completely, but getting the majority of touches is behind the best offensive line in the league. And there's uh, one quick shameless plug. I did see today that Rotowire has published the our, our offensive line rankings uh, for the upcoming NFL season. Of course, if you're looking for a Rotowire trial or a potential subscription, definitely go ahead and check out rotowire.com slash free. Also, you can do rotowire.com slash POD. Just a little bit of a plug there uh, for that. But, uh, yeah, the offensive line grid, uh, Cowboys number one in the league. Rotowire's own James Seltzer does an analysis of every offensive line. I found this article very interesting. Gives you the uh, starters, the ranks in 2014, talks about their week one opponents, and gives a pretty solid analysis on the fantasy impact. So I had a Twitter question about this earlier, and uh, this is an excellent resource that uh, I would personally use to check out any offensive line action there. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the big, uh, continue with the big news of the day. I kind of gave a spoiler in the early parts of the show, uh, suggesting some surprise cuts. And one of them is uh, former Wisconsin Badger Nick Toon was released by the Saints uh, on Tuesday. This also happened uh, real recently before recording this podcast here. He was gaining a lot of steam as possibly being a number three receiver uh, in that system, of course, going behind Marquez Colston and Brandon Cooks. Uh, now it's looking like Brandon Coleman might be the receiver, or the favorite for the number three job. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about here, I guess. One, does Nick Toon catch on elsewhere? Probably not fantasy relevant if he's being released at this point, but is there any fantasy value you can get out of Brandon Coleman? Maybe, if not in 12-team leagues, but you start to look to 14 and 16 teams, high upside picks in the later rounds? Uh, I guess the main problem with uh, Brandon Coleman is his uh, he has issues with drops. He's only had mm-hmm. one catch on six targets so far in the preseason. On the other hand, during that one catch, he actually took a catch and run for 27 yards so uh maybe his yards per catch will be healthy but then you'll be worried about like his actual catch percentage Mm -hmm. uh so who knows like um one guy i do like at least by their preseason standard that they've set is willie sneed he's actually the number four right now so far he's at eight receptions for 117 yards through three games 
and three of those catches actually went for 20 plus yards so he's actually uh he's actually showed big playability and he's actually gathered in a higher percentage of uh you know, balls thrown his way too. Yeah, that's an interesting analysis. Uh, Snead, I remember him kind of trying out for the Browns last year when I was covering him. Ended up not making the final team, and now the uh, the receiver out of Ball State is going to have a chance. But here's what I see in this: uh, is the size difference is quite notable. Snead, uh, he's listed at five eleven, one ninety five. Mm-hmm. Whereas you go to Brandon Coleman, the guys much more physically gifted, six six two twenty five. It looks like right. now you think of a guy that size. Uh, uh, you know, maybe not a direct comparison, but Jimmy Graham listed at six seven two sixty five, so maybe not quite as much of a rock as Graham, but potential for red zone targets. Of course, they weren't they won't give him those red zone targets though if he has the drop issues. Snead probably has the speed advantage because uh, yeah. Coleman I checked ran uh, you know a four five six forty, which isn't fast, but it's very fast for someone his size. You know, six six and two twenty five. So I think uh, something that hinders. I guess Coleman's value too is the fact that they have two like viable tight ends there still in Benjamin Watson and uh, Josh Hill, mm-hmm. uh, and they have actual chemistry with Drew Brees over the years too, the, or the past few years. So, uh, well, Coleman does have that impressive size. I think he still may, maybe needs a little more seasoning before he can actually make a fantasy impact. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, uh, do you think? Do you think Snead has some like similar, like, uh, or a similar skill set to like Brandon Cooks, wherein like Cooks is going to get most of that like slot mm-hmm. receiving uh, uh, role? Yeah, I mean, if uh, Colston wears down this year, and I, I mean, he's still number one on the depth chart. The veteran has earned uh, that much. Colston has been. I mean, he's thirty-two now. He's been around for. I mean, since since I've been playing fantasy in high school, basically. Yeah. And uh, I think Colston at six four. Is I feel like Coleman parallels Colston more, and maybe Snead parallels Cooks more yeah. a little bit. But if it comes down to three wide receiver sets, I like Coleman uh, a little bit, and okay. uh, yeah, uh, just just a little bit more than Snead. I guess we're gonna wait and see. Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't draft him unless it's a 16 team format or deeper. If you're trying to get a one dollar or zero dollar reserve in an auction, yet yeah, someone we might revisit down the road a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, worth definitely worth updating our listeners on the Saints depth chart yeah, situation. I mean, we're always interested in the you know pass catchers of the elite quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we're going to be watching this situation very closely in the early going and to see who actually mm-hmm. grabs that number three gig. Yeah, I'm regarding Drew Brees. I'm not quite sure that. Uh, his value overall is going to live up to his ADP as a top five quarterback this year. I'm a little hesitant on that, but nonetheless, that doesn't change his status as one of the few quarterbacks in the league that can actually make his receiving core better. Yeah. So I really like, uh, I'm I'm optimistic for those reasons at very, at the very least. So looking for his weapons as opposed to him. But anyway, moving on to uh, another little bit of breaking news for the day. Uh, Fred Jackson, uh, he visited the Seahawks today, recently released, and he is expected to sign there. I haven't quite seen it yet before we push play on this, but I wouldn't be surprised if that news came down while we were here uh, in the radio room uh, recording our podcast today. But let's just say, even though it's not official yet, stuff always falls through, but let's just say he goes ahead and does uh, sign with the Seahawks. Do you understand this move for Seattle? I mean... They've got Robert Turbin, Christine Michael, who they've drafted relatively recently. How does Fred Jackson fit into this mix, uh, of course, behind Marshawn Lynch, the presumed starter? Yeah, so we actually have Robert Turbin. Or we know that he came down with a high ankle sprain recently, mm-hmm. and there's 
been talked that he actually might land on the pup list, which means he won't be avail- available the first, at least the first six games of the season. Okay. Um, so that's that's probably the reason they're bringing Jackson in. Um, mm-hmm. And over the last three years, Turbin's actually um, averaged nearly five uh, five carries per game, averaging four yards per carry on those carries. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it is interesting. Like they're going to use somebody to spell um, Marshawn Lynch, right? And we saw they Jackson do that admirably, admirably behind CJ Spiller for the last, you know, five or six years. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see him, even though he has age on, on his side or go, like going against him, I can see Jackson filling this role pretty well. Yeah, absolutely could be used to spell Marshawn Lynch. And Marshawn Lynch is probably someone that needs spelling. If you look at the uh, the last four seasons, 285 carries, 315 carries, 301 carries, 280 carries. And and that's not to mention he made deep playoff runs every year too, and that's mm-hmm. just another yep. additional 60-plus carries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Seahawks have been competitive. So as much as this makes me worry about Marshawn Lynch, I think he's – probably one of the only running backs in the league i didn't i didn't check on this stat but with four consecutive double digit touchdown seasons very hard to do from the running back position so has been a model of consistency i still think he's his floor for this year is probably like a thousand yards and eight touchdowns regardless of who brings them in who they bring in behind him i think as far as fred jackson goes his value is probably uh probably more at Buffalo than it, than it will be here at Seattle, but I guess only yeah. time will tell. I'm not really looking to draft a, a 34-year-old running back in, in any format, though, really. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned here that Christy Michael is losing trust with the coaching staff and mm-hmm. is actually a threat to not even make the 53-man roster. So, I mean, if Christine Michael is out, a guy we've talked about in past seasons, if Turbin's out the first six games, then Jackson's like the logical guy to actually fill in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've mentioned, I feel like I've mentioned the name Christine Michael in the past. He was actually, for users that are employing that uh, zero running back strategy, going to wide receiver, wide receiver, he was one of the names that is often floated around as, uh, as a very high risk but potential reward for a late round uh draft pick and now i don't think i'm seeing that with him anymore especially no. the fact that they're looking to go elsewhere uh to replace Marshawn lynch's backup so mm-hmm. definitely losing steam there uh in the seattle backfield depth chart race uh one final bigger news item of the day uh jason morrow a second year player uh i believe out of texas a&m torn labrum injury he was placed on the injured reserve tuesday he we always saw all this stuff, shoulder injuries, dealing with a shoulder injury, limited in practice. Now it's official. He's got a torn labrum. He's going to miss a, a good amount of time. Now, did we really own him anywhere? Does this uh, change the fantasy outlook anywhere? I, I mean, he was kind of a high, higher upside pick, I guess I could say, uh, just for the fact that he's a younger player and what he was able to do in college there. But, of course, yet now on the injury reserve and looking at the top of that depth chart, you're going Jeff Cumberland, Kellen Davis and a guy named Wes Saxton. So uh, not too many weapons at that position for quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick and company, right? Yeah, and he, he joins another young tight end on the IR, too. Zach Sudfeld actually uh, suffered a torn ACL a few weeks back. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're really down to, like, the scrub. I mean, the guys you've heard of, but kind of scrubs, too. So, yeah, like Jason Morrow's ADP and NFC, NFC leagues, uh landed around Michael guys like Michael Rivera of the Raiders and Virgil Green of the Chargers. So those are guys that you were just like throwing darts and you hope that, mm-hmm. you know, something comes of it. So I, I don't know, this loss maybe isn't as big as uh, like 
you may initially think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, he was probably a low end tight end too at best. Had yeah. some had more upside than a lot of the people in his group or in his tier, I guess you could say, if you like to sort by tiers. But at the same time, uh, it, yeah, very risky pick. Not, no one that you can count on for consistent starts, I don't think. So, sure, yeah. yeah, not going to affect too many people's draft because if you own Jay Samaro, there's probably someone similar, if not equal, sitting there on the waiver wire for, sure. for you. We'll, and we'll hit a couple tight ends later that you might be able to replace him uh, that both kind of fit the description of tight end two category there. Yeah. But uh, moving on with news, got some quick hitters for you. A lot of... Uh, practicing not practicing going to play in thursday's preseason finale not going to play always worth updating these statuses uh for those DraftKings preseason contests for you so first heading to chicago uh where elshon jeffrey continues to deal with a calf injury he remains out of practice tuesday meanwhile marquez colston with a hamstring injury and eddie royal who's dealing with a hip injury we're back to doing individual drills so it's a little bit encouraging uh in chicago you got to try to find some good news there every once in a while <laughs> But, uh, yeah, in Kansas City, Travis Kelsey, he's dealing with a sprained ankle. Don't worry, guys. He's probably going to sit Thursday's preseason finale. But according to head coach uh, Andy Reid, he would have played if it had been a regular season game there. So not really adjusting Kelsey's yeah, outlook. Yeah, it was worrisome when you first saw this injury. There's, like, lower leg and don't say anything else. And occasionally those lower leg injuries end up being torn Achilles. Mm-hmm. And for a guy that's going, you know, what, fifth round probably – yeah. At, at the latest in most drafts mm-hmm. he's like the third that, tight end off the board in a lot of leagues personally yeah. i think i lean towards greg olson a little bit as as the third overall tight end this year but yeah uh but you can definitely make a case for kelsey um and just a side note on draft strategy if i miss out on gronk or graham i'm probably waiting uh till closer in the end and probably targeting someone more along the lines of a Colby Fleener, Zach Ertz, if I could get him, uh, Kyle Rudolph even I like uh, quite a bit this year, and Tyler Eifert as well as a, as a high upside pick. So if I miss out on the top guys, uh, there might be a situation where I'd take a guy like Olsen or Kelsey, but I'm more than likely waiting and stacking up with safer bets. Right on. All right. All right, continuing with quick hitters here, uh, David Cobb, uh, dealing with a calf injury. He's wearing a boot. It recently came out that he's questionable for uh, week one. Of course, that's the rookie out of Tennessee there. If Cobb is limited at all, I mean, the depth isn't great uh, at running back there. Is this the year where Bishop Sankey can potentially fulfill the value that he was drafted at last year, or at least part of that? Yeah, so uh, so far through three preseason games, he has 20 rushes for 77 yards. That yards per carry of 3.85 lines up with, with what he did almost exactly as a rookie, 3.74. And with Sean Green, you know, not around from last season, David Cobb's early season avail- availability in somewhat in some doubt, I guess. Like, the, he's pretty much the, um, you know, number one back, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since the other options there, Dexter McCluster, is more of a change of pace and receiving option. So... Yes, Sankey seem okay. Here's another thing I mentioned when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. Remember, Jameis Winston has Doug Martin behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see perhaps Ken Wisenhut utilizing Bishop Sankey a little more to ease yep. like the pressure on Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, yeah, then you could see with all the factors mentioned before that, yeah, he could have his breakout, yeah. And 
he did leave a bad taste in a lot of owners' mouths last season. But actually, right now, he's sitting as uh, the 41st overall running back in terms mm-hmm. of uh, average draft position. So there's actually going to be some room for profit here if you get him when, with the 120th pick overall. For sure. I think uh, he'll at least get the touches to do that. I do worry a little bit. I mentioned Rotowire's offensive line rankings um, earlier in the show there. And uh, one thing I did notice that Tennessee, 29 out of 32 offensive lines in the year in the in the whole league so mm-hmm. that doesn't really help his case and of course you mentioned Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they're, they're sitting at there. 32 bottom dead last in mm-hmm. our offensive line rankings so real tough on a rookie quarterback so hopefully these running backs like Sankey and Doug Martin can take off the pressure there a few more quick hitters to get to Sammy Watkins he's been dealing with hip hamstring all sorts of stuff this uh <laughs> this preseason he was a full participant in practice Tuesday that's good to know rookie Devante Parker Dealing with a foot injury was previously thought to be a risk for week one. He progressed to actually taking part in seven-on-seven drills Tuesday, so that's actually making him look more optimistic for week one. Still probably behind in terms of reps, but we'll kind of get there moving forward. Chris Johnson in your Arizona Cardinals, Eric, he could be suiting up for Thursday's preseason game against Denver. Encouraged by that? Think we can see anything there? I mean, yeah, even if he takes the field, though, like I feel more comfortable with uh, David Johnson, what he showed so far in the preseason. Um, maybe not so much his um, ability to carry the ball, but he is a very impressive receiver. I don't know if you saw his touchdown from the week, over the weekend on Sunday, mm-hmm. but uh, like he just made a simple over-the-shoulder catch as he was trotting into the end zone. Yeah, um, we see running backs have a tough time with those little over-the-shoulder fades looked, all the time. Yeah, he so looked that's uh, encouraging. Yeah, very natural, almost receiver-like in his uh, pass-catching ability there. So um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel the that uh, the interchangeability with, between like uh, uh, Andre Ellington and David Johnson really helps David Johnson's cause more so than like hoping that the veteran and Chris Johnson actually you know can show something again. Yeah, I guess only time will tell with that Arizona backfield. Uh, not quite as clear-cut as we thought heading into camp over there. Yeah. All right. A few more here to get to. Deshaun Jackson, remember that uh, shoulder injury he's been dealing with? He's going to miss his fourth preseason game. No surprise there, but he confirmed recently. He said so, at least. He'll be ready for week one. Yeah. So that's looking optimistic. Uh, former teammate when they were back in Philadelphia, Lashawn McCoy, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. He's pretty optimistic for week one as well. So if you are a fantasy owner of him that took a, used a first-round pick, uh, you should be okay to deploy deploy him there uh finally another somewhat surprising cut considering the carolina panthers wide receiver situation after of course calvin benjamin uh, will be missing the entire season but they went ahead and released Jarrett boykin uh which is maybe a bit surprising to me now he's a former packer so we know him pretty well considering the packer wideout situation does green bay give him a shot i mean yeah they, they may bring him in for a workout to see what he looks like compared to when they last saw him on the other hand, what he only have a handful of catches last year, right? Like, yeah, he pretty that, much got replaced by Devonte Adams uh, yeah, midway over through the, the course, year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the one year where there were a lot of injuries, like Aaron Rodgers went down, Cobb went down for a while. James Jones actually missed time also in that 2013 season, mm-hmm. and during that year, uh, Boykin caught 49 balls on 82 targets uh, for 681 yards and three touchdowns. So we're not saying like if he does end up back on the Packers like that's you know the kind of situation he'll have or the kind of output he could potentially have but um I more so like the Packers because of the familiarity with 
Aaron Rodgers in the offense. Yeah, you can see him coming it's back. It's a candidate for depth. And another name I've heard mentioned uh, over the last couple of days, never really serious. Again, this is mostly speculation, but they were saying that if James Jones were to be cut by the Giants, that the Packers would maybe go after him. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, James Jones sitting at fourth on the uh, – Giants wide receiver depth chart but it sounds like he's going to stay put yeah and as long as Victor Cruz is dealing with his uh, calf injury I think Mm -hmm. they're going to keep James Jones around as long as possible just for his veteran know-how and he has I think he has uh, Mm -hmm. he has a association with the offensive coordinator too like in the past that James McAdoo used to be with the pack right Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah so, uh, so yeah, that, that's that's really too bad uh, as far as Jones' fantasy outlook because obviously it looks a lot better with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback sure. than Eli Manning as your quarterback and and the depth as well. I mean, it, the the only thing uh, that I could say looking at the Giants' situation is their safety core has been hammered by injuries this uh, this uh, preseason and training mm-hmm. camp. Um, if they decide or if, say Cruz makes a miraculous recovery in advance of Week One or uh, he's seen, or if he's just deemed healthy within the first few weeks of the season, I could see them potentially adding, or sorry, adding a safety, getting rid of Jones because their wide receiving core is okay and healthy again. Yeah, and I think these receivers that are on the field for the Giants are probably going to, uh, just because of the questionable depth in the secondary, they're going to have to score a lot of points to win, and I don't, I don't sure. necessarily think Eli Manning is a, is a great real-life quarterback, but he's going to be a good fantasy quarterback this year because he's going to be playing catch-up in a lot of those formats. Yeah, indeed. All right, football season is just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015, but also play one-week fantasy football at DraftKings.com. Head on over to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry today. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Now, moving on to the second period of the show, we kind of foreshadowed this early on, but Eric and I, when we get uh, into the regular season, we will be going over free agent pickups and talking about potential bids, where you want to use your waiver claims, things like that. But I know a lot of leagues have drafted already over the past couple weeks, and there's a good portion of those leagues where maybe a fab period's coming up or a waiver period's coming up, at least uh, in in advance of week one. I know our Vegas league drafted all the way back in July, and some leagues like to do that for whatever reason. NFFC league drafts, those slow drafts have been going on for a long time now. Of course, there's no there's no ad drops in those, so I guess we can, we can throw those out. But there are some formats where pickups are allowed. So we're going to kind of run through all the skill positions here and maybe throw out a couple names uh, that could be available in your league. We're trying to look at availability in your standard 12-team formats and one guy that immediately comes to mind as far as uh, the quarterback position goes, uh, we've talked about him a lot, so I don't think we need to go too in-depth on him, but because his ADP is 19th overall still, I'm looking at Sam Bradford of the Philadelphia Eagles as somebody to potentially be targeting in your 12-team league. Uh, not necessarily a top 12, especially early on in the season, but his value's been on the rise after that highly efficient three touchdown performance against the Packers and he's somebody that is gaining a lot of steam and not necessarily everybody doesn't have to take two quarterbacks in a 12-team format you might just take one and then see what you can do for the bye week later on so if he's sitting around is he pretty much a must add 
I mean, yeah, for sure. But <laughs> I, it is encouraging to see how he's played this preseason, of course. I mm-hmm. mean, as Packer fans, we watched that onslaught that he put on in the first quarter yep. over the weekend. And, you know, we're like, oh, we're more so worried about our defense. But then a side, a side effect is, oh, man, I can take advantage of Sam Bradford this year, potentially. Mm-hmm. So Sam Bradford in his preseason career, he's had 19 touchdowns versus two interceptions. It's oh, pretty boy. ridiculous. That's kind of unsustainable. It's almost in the vein of what uh, Nick Foles put up a few years back, you yeah. know. Um, preseason Hall of Famer Sam Bradford. Yeah, right on. Yeah, and Chip <laughs> Kelly was unique in a sense where he really wanted to lay the wood down and prove to, I don't know, I don't know what this does to prove his doubters winning in a preseason game, but he wanted to beat it a potential Super Bowl contender in the Green Bay Packers and for some reason thinks he gained something out of that. So yeah, exactly. And uh, then, and then Sam Bradford gets to the regular season, mm-hmm. 59 touchdowns versus 38 interceptions across 49 contests. Yep. Now I'm not downplaying Sam Bradford. I've been actually pretty high on him, yeah. uh, move, heading into the season. So I, I don't want to knock him too much, but, and if he's available, I think he needs to be owned. And I'm just going to come out and say that in, I've got, 12 teamers and a 14 and a 16 team are coming up here in the next seven days. Yeah. He's not going to be escaping any of those drafts. That's a sure fact. And he, whereas sure. he might've been early on and now you can get him. If you ended up with a quarterback that you're not so sure about, like if you're looking at quarterbacks in the, I don't know if you, if you took Tom Brady and need a replacement for week one, or if you're in the Tannehill, Stafford, Rivers, Kaepernick, Flacco range and yeah. still need a quarterback. I like, I like Bradford better than most of those guys. And I'm keeping an eye out for him now. We're going to stretch this and go a little, little bit deeper with the quarterback position with two guys uh, that were recently named starters. I'm talking about Kirk Cousins of the Washington Redskins and Tyrod Taylor of the Buffalo Bills. Both of them named starters over the past couple days here. So those are quarterback targets on the waiver wire. Maybe not in your standard 12-teamer. Maybe not as a starter in your standard 14-teamer. But they got to be coming off the board in two quarterback leagues because I'm not necessarily sure that they were drafted in all two quarterback leagues. You got to imagine that Castle or even EJ Manuel went ahead of Taylor in drafts. He was kind of a uh, underdog to win this job. Cousins, maybe if, if someone took RG3 and needed a little bit of uh, a safety net there, Cousins, I could see. Uh, which of those two are you placing a higher bid on, and how much are you willing to go if you're sitting in a two quarterback team league? Man, this is, uh, I mean, this is kind of neck and neck, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Tyrod Taylor. They both have their upsides, so, respective upsides. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor has the mobility, and he mm-hmm. probably has the – it's hard to say. Overall, the more talented wide receiving core. Like, I, I would still probably take Deshaun Jackson is yeah. the best wide receiver amongst amongst those two teams, right? Yeah, but you moved on the list with Washington, and they got Pierre Garçon. I mean, Andre Roberts is no all-star, but Pierre Garçon, Jordan Reed's a viable pass-catching target. Matt Jones has been gaining momentum. Uh, yeah. If, if you go skill positions, yeah, I like, oh, man, it's really close because I think, of course, Buffalo has better running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield, of course, speaking of guys like LaShawn McCoy and Bryce Brown. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess the kicker here is Taylor has more mobility. Mm-hmm. So if, they're, if we're saying that their um, you know, skill positions around them are actually somewhat similar, maybe Washington has slightly better you know, receivers, but yeah. the running backs in Buffalo can actually you know, catch the ball out of the backfield. Then like, maybe Taylor's mobility, the fact that he'll actually get some r- rushing yards on a weekly basis pushes him slightly over the top. Yeah, I always like to bring as an example of uh, mobility is I started Tim Tebow like five different weeks in a championship winning season once because he got just enough rushing yards and kind of 
pulled out of nowhere some of those comebacks that got me a 15, 20 point day. And when I punted quarterbacks, it was serviceable. So that mobility can turn a crappy quarterback into a, a, a pretty reasonable one. I mean, Taylor yeah. could maybe go, what's a typical Tebow stat line? Like eight for 21, 89 passing <laughs> yards and like 70 rushing yards or something like that. Yeah. Like those stat lines are, and if you mix in a touchdown here and there, yep. then there you go. So I don't know. I think if it's me, I lean a little bit towards Cousins uh, just because I've seen more from him in a regular season game in the past. And, I've also and, seen and him weapons. throw like five interceptions in a game too. Yeah, I guess it goes both ways there. So <laughs> low-end QB2s, the guys yeah. that you're not necessarily – they're not automatic starts in a two-quarterback format because yeah. – I mean, what you would hope is they're sitting around there once bye weeks fire up, you know, yep. in the, about a month. Yeah, right on. So you hope these guys are sitting out there. You you. Uh, your starter is actually sitting and you have to pick up one of these guys and hopefully they have an ideal matchup to actually take advantage of. Otherwise, like, yeah, you, you don't want to fully trust in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And I guess, yeah, other guys that are in this type of situation, of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick from the Jets after the Geno Smith injury and um, looking at Brian Hoyer for the Texans winning that job. Yeah. Those are a couple other low-end guys to watch in those two quarterback formats. But probably still a QB three in that type of format. Sure. Yeah. But moving on to running backs, uh, we already discussed quite a bit about uh, Fred Jackson potentially going to Seattle, not official yet. So I want to focus this on a, a guy that's been rising up draft boards and that's uh, Javorius, AKA Buck Allen of the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Lorenzo Taliaferro was thought to maybe get some of those goal line carries from Forsett, be the guy that spells Forsett in that Mark Tressman system. But, Talia Farrow is now dealing with a knee injury, MCL injury specifically. That could knock him out for a couple weeks potentially. Still waiting more details on that. Uh, what do you think about Buck Allen as a potential sleeper, at least if you're punting running backs? I mean, he's still got to overtake Justin Forsett, but is there any chance he cuts into those carries? Oh, so when did the uh, nickname uh, actually emerge for Javorius? Because I'd never heard of you know, the Buck in front of Allen. I've never seen that before today. Yeah, um, well... Our you, college you know football editor, Mario Puig, has always referred to him. I, I sit next to Mario really? in the office, and he's always referred to him as Buck Allen. Okay. And uh, then on the XM show I did on Sunday, they Buck Allen, Buck Allen. And I was like, okay, because uh, on the TV telecast when I was watching that Ravens game, by the way, he fumbled in that game too right mm-hmm. on the goal line with not with what didn't look to be a terribly, really egregious like punch out of, of the game. So that's yeah. not going to do well for uh, Harbo's outlook on him, by the way. But uh, they refer to him as Javorius on the telecast. I, I guess maybe the nickname's still torn. Uh, I, I guess we'll wait and see. But Javorius, a.k.a. Buck Allen, he'll be called different things by different people. Just a heads up there. But, yeah. um, I mean, are you changing your outlook on him? If anything, the lack of Taliaferro getting hurt makes me a little bit higher on Justin Forsett as a potential late first, early second round pick, rather than me thinking Allen's on his way up. Yeah, I agree with that. And our uh, Baltimore Ravens beat writer actually agrees with that sentiment too. He he saw the fumble and said, do we really want to trust this guy ever on the goal line? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, at least in the early going in his career, like we want him to regain that trust, I guess. Um, On the other hand, we know that – sorry – Allen's uh, skill set fits really well into a Mark Trussman, uh, um schemed offense. Yep. So yeah, we have it, been over that before, the and, ability to yeah. catch out of the backfield. So if, you know, Taliaferro, Lorenzo Taliaferro does miss the first game or two early on in the season there, maybe in a deeper league you would consider having Javorius on your roster just in case 
Yeah, I mean, if you're taking, if you are going to use an early for or a late first, early second, early to mid second, I'm thinking more for four set. But I have seen him go as early as I don't know twenty. What was the last one? I think uh, on my fantasy league, uh, experts league, I saw him go in the eighteen range. So okay. yeah, kind of high. But uh, if you are taking him, there's maybe a little bit of incentive to handcuff him at the end with Buck Allen. But this just makes me a little bit higher on four set, which oh, I yeah. was I was very hesitant on a four set this year because he's getting up there in age but unlike running most running backs that are 29 30 years old in that range he hasn't had the wear and tear and mm-hmm. the system fits him really really well so i think he can be a ppr and even standard beast this year for uh for a lot of teams and a lot of formats yeah for sure and i mean th- this injury might actually be the be what he needed to catapult into that like top tier of like running backs too because mm-hmm. if he's taking on the entire workload out of the backfield the first few weeks because you know, Talia Farrow, somebody that they previously trusted, like isn't there and mm-hmm. they don't want to like give the rock to a rookie. Yep. Um, then Forsett might, that might just like take the, take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Forsett 11th overall in ADP. If you're in a position to take Justin Forsett, you're probably also in a position to take LaShawn McCoy, Jeremy Hill or Melvin Gordon. So you're going to have a tough decision there. Yeah. Uh, you can make an argue for the upside of Melvin Gordon. Even if he doesn't play on third downs, I think Jeremy Hill's probably my top choice out of that group. McCoy, I'm a little bit concerned about. So I'm starting to grow more on Justin Forsett as I get closer to the season. He was someone, I was thinking about writing some Keeper League articles saying how he's really a Keeper League trap and that last year was just a fluke. But the way the system is now set up goes Mm -hmm. very much in his favor and the depth behind him just not looking good. So Mm -hmm. uh, I guess one last plug for Justin Forsett if you guys are all drafting (laughs) tonight here. I'm going to move on to wide receivers here. Chances are, if you drafted earlier, before you're listening to this podcast, Reggie Wayne wasn't even on a team at that point. Now he's on the New England Patriots, and we've seen what Bill Belichick can do as far as resurging the careers of uh, some players. Of course, Randy Moss is the easy example that comes to mind. Now, Reggie Wayne, who knows what he's got left in him. It's a little bit tough at this point. 36 years old. Right now, we're sitting him at fourth overall on the depth charts. So, still got to work through. Brandon LaFell is actually on the pup list right now, but still has to work through Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola. So, something to watch there. Brandon LaFell will probably get back to action during the first couple weeks of the regular season here. So, uh, maybe he opens the year on the pup list, has to miss a few games, but he'll be back eventually. Anyway, regardless of this jumble, do we think Reggie Wayne is a reasonable target? Uh, in the later rounds, I mean, we only have him projected for 44 catches for 488 yards and two touchdowns in our 2015 projections. Uh, I guess, what's your outlook on him? Are you bidding him as a wide receiver three if he, if you maybe punted that position? I mean, he still resides outside of the top 100 NFFC ADP list. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually at 116 in terms of wideouts and nearly 350th overall. So that's putting him, I mean, I know like a lot of drafts happened before he actually signed with New England. So his earliest selection so far in those leagues has been 215. So you'd have to have a pretty deep league, I would think, to actually yeah. you know, consider drafting him. Um, what do you, Like a 16-team league? At, or 14? at Probably 16. Yeah, I mean, we got to confirm the I'm resurgence. Just, he dealt with injuries last year, and I think here's a name that could very well come up in like a week two or week three waiver wire pickup if he has a hot start early on and looks to be healthy uh we want to see it first so again yeah. i'm limited to the deepest of formats uh, and if we don't hear like or if brady's you know mm-hmm. tom brady's 
uh, suspension appeal doesn't work out in his favor, then he'll be working with a rookie quarterback who ha- had no reps with him at all during the offseason program. So yep. that probably doesn't like bode well for him mm-hmm. unless Tom Brady is there. Yeah, and I mean, Reggie Wayne's going to get taken in a lot of drafts because people recognize the name. Yeah. But this is one of those cases where you can use your last picks for much more younger, high upside players to potentially sure. run away with someone that's going to help you down the stretch this year. Yeah. All right, so next receiver I want to talk about a little bit. I guess I'm going to put a slash line through this. Uh, Got to talk about those Packers with the situation they have going on after Jordy Nelson. Uh, Jeff Janis, of course, is an option. Uh, former seventh round pick, Division two receiver, and of course Ty Montgomery. He was a bit higher of a draft pick this year. Um, Devonte Adams, of course, is the clear co- choice to see a big time increase in what reps with Jordy Nelson out. But because it's Aaron Rodgers, there's room for three fantasy receivers to be fantasy relevant on that team. Go back to years when they had Nelson or, or and Jennings and 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 James Jones still would yep. get double digit touchdowns. So there's absolutely plenty of utility for a wide receiver three here. Uh if you got to make a a one dollar fab bid, maybe a little bit more than that if you're in a deeper format, you bidding that money on Ty Montgomery or Jeff Janis. I would put it on uh, Montgomery because I've seen yep. him actually work with the first team during preseason games, whereas Janice usually comes on. Maybe he has an occasional sh- um, showing an appearance rather in the first half, mm-hmm. but he's really like most of his uh, snaps have uh, come into the second half with, uh, you know, Brett Hundley and uh, Matt Blanchard, the uh, mm-hmm. the fourth stringer in Green Bay. So uh, I just I just see Montgomery working with the, f- you know, first team or at least guys that are likely to start and. Mm-hmm. Janice is, you know, working down there with the guys who are, you know, challenging for roster spots. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's right there next to Miles White, preseason all-star for the Packers. Right. There. Now I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate and give you some reasons why I like Jeff Janice personally and why he's still possibly worthy of a $1 bid heading into this week. Uh, I like the size and speed combination that he has. He's a little bit faster than people think. Uh, yep. And, of course, Standing at 6'3", 219, I feel like he compares size and speed-wise to Nelson more than he does to a guy like Cobb. So For sure. Ty Montgomery, on the other hand, to me, seems like he would be, even if he starts in three wide receiver sets, it seems like he'd be closer to Randall Cobb type of player yes. than uh, than he is to a Jordy Nelson type of player. So if anyone can make that leap, it's possibly 24-year-old Janice. I see him running a lot of those deep post routes that Jordy Nelson used to run. And don't forget Ty Montgomery. Number one, a rookie going to need a little bit of time to get trust with Aaron Rodgers. I know Janice has probably got more trust with the backups than he does with Rodgers at this point, but he's got time to go ahead and establish that now, of course, being his second year with the program. And Montgomery's got kick return duties to worry about as well. So uh, I'm not saying that's necessarily an injury risk, but watch for that uh, as well. And he's going to get reps on the field that way. So I think you can make a case for both of them being owned and Rodgers and the Packers offense will play, paint a pretty clear picture after yep. the first couple of weeks as to who's going to be getting those targets, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. So through two preseasons, he has one game left, of course, Jeff Janice. And mm-hmm. I don't have his exact preseason stats from those two years, but a very high percentage of his catches have actually turned into touchdowns and actually pretty long touchdowns too. So mm-hmm. you're going to – when he does make an impact, it's going to be like a lengthy play an exciting yep. play and something that we'll see on sports center. So, mm-hmm. um, that's why Janice may eventually, you know, like overtake him, overtake uh Ty Montgomery in the minds of like fantasy players, just because like, let's say, look at Pittsburgh, like Martavis Bryant over Marcus Wheaton, like Martavis Bryant is the big play threat. Yep. Whereas, you know, Wheaton is probably the more, you know, 
steady receiver. Yeah, and I think you're going to be able to find both of these guys at very low prices on sites like DraftKings very sure. early on. Yeah. All right, so a couple more receivers. Well, we already talked about Brandon Coleman in the news section uh, following the release of Nick Toon, so we don't need to really elaborate on him too much. Uh, just another guy to maybe watch out for. Got to be a really deep format there, <laughs> but uh, Harry Douglas on his way out of Atlanta. Therefore, Leonard Hankerson, who spent time all over the place, I think, with Washington possibly most recently. And uh, he's going to take over the number three job. Uh, greater than, equal to, or less than Douglas in terms of production for Hankerson. Toss up. Like, uh, or are we just? We, is uh, it fair to ignore him and just like not take him all together? Yeah, it's it's probably fair to ignore it. You you only want to know who the number three guy in Atlanta is in case Roddy White or Julio Jones actually gets injured and can't mm-hmm. play that week. Otherwise, like it, they're they're not in consideration. Yeah, I, I'm right with you there, and and I mean. <sighs> Harry Douglas, kind of a smaller stature guy, yeah. and Hankerson, if for some reason Julio Jones or Roddy White gets hurt, I think Hankerson, uh, standing at 6'2", got some experience, been around in the league since 2011. Actually, I mean, hasn't been a lot of places, only yeah. Washington, so this is his first year away from there. Uh, I think he probably has a little more upside than Douglas did if one of those guys get hurt, but leading into the season, I don't think there's a, a place for him on my fantasy rosters yeah, outside so the, of the deepest of formats. The, yeah, the recommended way to look at it, just put him on your watch list. If you hear about an injury, uh, an injury rather, to one of the top two wideouts, then you make a claim. Yeah, go for it that way. And who knows, maybe someone we talk about later on. Yeah. Maybe Atlanta receivers stay healthy and... And we're we don't have to, go. to talk about this at all. Don't have to talk about that. <laughs> yep. All right. So moving on to the tight end, a little bit thinner crop of uh, waiver wire. Not too many. If anything, a couple guys have gone down, but not too many major shifts in the tight end rankings leading up to the season. One, we already touched on Janice Montgomery and the whole Packers situation. Is there any chance Richard Rodgers gets some more of those looks and creeps back up into high end tight end two territory with the injury? Because uh, he's possibly got some room to grow in his second year in the system. Yeah. Like. So he has the best hands among like he, Corliss, yeah. and the rest of the tight end. I don't court, think right? Corliss is a viable option anymore yeah, just cor- after the preseason drops this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, like, I, I, <laughs> so I had a draft on Sunday, and I'm almost certain he was among like those that group of like uh, tight end two guys. Like yep. he was, he was uh, going as a backup, and it it certainly helps that he has Aaron Rodgers throwing in his direction too. So. Mm-hmm. 27th among tight ends in 27 okay. yeah so not even so, necessarily a tight end two in well this is formats, a four, this is a 14 team league so yeah he was one of those uh yeah. last tight ends that somebody mm-hmm. was taking but i think he's gonna get scooped up in a lot of our wisconsin drafts yeah just exactly the name will be familiar and, and who knows i don't know if <laughs> jermichael finley production is the ceiling and if he'll ever reach it but you got to I mean, think that with a Aaron Rodgers led offense, right? Yeah. So look at the guys around him. Like Max Williams has dealt with an injury in camp. At least Richard Rodgers has a year under the under his belt in the Packers mm-hmm. system. And the name uh, connection. They're both Cowboys as well. Yeah. Exactly. So Ladarius Green. Might, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so Ladarius Green might might only be uh, like a viable tight end option in the first four weeks of the season with Antonio Gates. Like mm-hmm. he's sitting in the same range. Uh, and you just keep going up the chart. Like Jordan Reed will probably get a nice boost the, with the fact that there aren't any other viable tight ends in Washington. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like Rodgers can maybe slip into that standard league tight end two situation rather than like the slightly deeper tight end twos. Mm-hmm. And even if you're in a 12 teamer and are completely stuck as to who to take with your last pick <laughs> of the draft, if you somehow took a defense kicker early on, yeah. he's someone that you can draft. Wait a couple weeks, and if it's just not panning out, be one of the first on your chopping block with the, with these last couple picks. We can also have, like, don't take it too seriously. Have fun with it. 
Yeah, you absolutely. Know? So take guys that you like and that you would love cheering for on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can always replace them. I guess I guess we'll wait and see there. Now we'll get to another tight end in a second. But first, if you're out for the <laughs> evening and you've been drinking, please get a ride, call a cab, or find some other safe way home. Because getting arrested for drunk driving can cost you a lot more than an arrest and a fine. You could face legal fees, court costs, the loss of your license, and more. Right now, cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving, and they'll see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. And with that, it's time for our safe sleeper pick of the evening, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. A handful of us will be downing beers at our fantasy football drafts this uh, over these next couple weeks, which leads to bad decisions in the later rounds, or even worse decisions, like getting behind the wheel afterwards. So, the safe sleeper pick of the day, we mentioned we were just on tight ends, and uh, we're going to go ahead and call... Mercedes Lewis named to the table of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, maybe not long-term scenario there, but do you think he can pick up some targets in that Jacksonville Jaguars offense now that it is official, excuse me, that Julius Thomas will be undergoing finger surgery? Um, yeah, their wide receiving core is uh, pr- pretty young, but you know, guys like Allen Robinson and here I'm just getting bringing it up here the uh Jacksonville uh depth chart mm-hmm. um actually it's not coming up so uh anyway right. so we got uh you know Allen Robinson yeah Allen Hearns Marquise Lee's dealing with an injury yes. right now you can't forget about Hearns uh but I do like Lewis uh so the so the the I mean the fact that it's kind of deep um mm-hmm. I, what helps their skill is, positions are deep for yeah. sure yeah, so what helps uh, the fact that uh, during this four to five weeks that uh, Julius Thomas is out, they don't have a bye week at all. So like, he'll actually be relevant the entire time that Thomas mm-hmm. is out of the lineup. Yeah, so, the utility will all be early on. You can feel free yeah. to drop him after week four or week five when Thomas gets back. Exactly. So it'll be early on, and it's going to be high risk, high reward. He might be uh, – we'll see how the targets distribute in the first couple weeks, but maybe he's someone as a cheap option in daily formats that you may want to consider. Injuries limited to him la- uh, to only eight games last season. But prior to that, I mean, for four seasons in a row, he had double-digit red zone targets. And, I mean, the guy stands at six six. 272 I think he's a red zone option he's not so much of a possession receiver that's going to help you move the chains so yep. maybe maybe lay back in uh, PPR formats but in a standard format I think you can find some viable utility here as a tight end too if you're if your first tight end goes down or if uh if for whatever reason you had Julius Thomas in a 16 teamer and the waiver wire is looking pretty slim you could absolutely make a case for picking up yeah. Mercedes Lewis yeah so that red zone usage that we've seen in past seasons is definitely uh encouraging let's say even if you're in like something like a touchdown league like you only count you yeah. know the touchdowns mm-hmm. for example so like he he would be somebody to maybe consider early on in those type of leagues yeah and the career best uh in 2010 he had 10 touchdowns so yes. uh good to go then of course skipped a year in 2011 didn't catch any then 4-4 and only two last year but of course the injuries limited him that <laughs> yeah. last year uh, we're not going to go ahead and do kickers and defenses just yet as far as waiver wire pickups go. Uh, you can always check out those rankings and stuff online or give us a holler on Twitter if, you, if you're dying to know about kickers and defenses. Uh, but anyway, with that, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Remember to use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out Rotowire for free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash pod. 
One last reminder that you can find me, Jake Letarski, on Twitter at jakeski 52 And you can find me over here, Eric Aturi, at ETCAT30. All right. Thanks again for listening today, folks. We will be back with you on Wednesday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.